0: We
1: here. day in L.A. So uh, it was good to be able to kind of get it out in a song. Um, the
0: whole, you know, origin of where we're all coming from. <laughs> I'm prepared for that, because I don't believe in it, I think it's just getting out of one car and getting into another.
2: Well, hello everyone, we're open tonight for fun, and so glad to see you here. <laughs> uh, this is uh, 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 Talk More Talk, solo video uh, Uh, Beatles webcast, Uh, and you know, I gotta say that uh, although we talk mostly about solo stuff, this is gonna be a special one where we're talking about the Beatles, which happens from time to time here on the show, because of course we all know the 50th anniversary edition came out of Abbey Road, and uh, we're gonna be talking about that, and uh, you might know me from my YouTube channel, Uh, I go by the name of Mean Mr. Mayo, but you can call me Joe Mayo, all my friends do. (laughs) <laughs> so uh uh happy to be here moderating my first show here, and uh the show, by the way, is on uh biweekly every other monday okay you can you can catch us. so I'm gonna introduce my uh three co-hosts. I'm gonna start out with somebody that we know who is uh frequently called the Queen of All Beatles Media. I call the Sun Queen for short. <laughs> She's the author of two books uh songs we were singing, Guided Tours through the Beatles' lesser-known tracks, and also Michael Jackson, F.A.Q., All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. And she also writes Deep Beatles, a column for Something Else Reviews. It's Kiddo Tool. Hey, so, Welcome. hey,
3: Joe, okay. and hi, everybody. And I'm going to have to apologize in advance tonight. I'm fighting off a cold, those Rochester, New York germs, you know.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so my
3: voice may be going a little in and out tonight. So, uh, uh so- Kermit
2: O'Toole, <laughs> Kermit O'Toole, <laughs> Okay. I <it>. also, <laughs> uh, straight to you from Arizona, <laughs> uh, we have someone who uh, has a Paul McCartney podcast called Two Legs along with his new co-host, Andy
1: Nichols, none other than Tom Hunyadi. Hello, Hello. my friend. Hey, Joe Mayo. Hello. How you doing? Ken, Kit. Also, I guess we can also call her the queen of red lipstick as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm wearing the lipstick. Yes.
1: <I know>.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, last here, but by no means least, We have uh, someone who is well known for close to forty years, syndicated radio program called Every Little Thing. Also part of a podcast, one of the one of the hosts called Things We Said Today. None other than Mr. Ken Michaels. Hi, Joe. Hi,
0: everyone. And I'm going to call you Queen of the Hop this time. (laughs) I'm in a fifties mood.
3: All All right. right. So, uh, okay, you have many titles. I've got more to add to my my business card. Awesome.
2: So I know that you know this is going to be a really big shoe tonight because, of course, the topic is so interesting, and I'm sure everybody out there is going to be wanting to weigh in on this. Where you can come and you could type, you know, your comments. That's part of what this is. You you participate and type out uh, what things you want to ask or comment on, what you think of this or that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot to get to. uh, But we think we're going to start as we usually do with the news from Ken Michaels and. We've got a pretty busy news
0: day, I think, Ken, huh? You're not kidding. I mean, (laughs) when you're doing a show bi-weekly, in two weeks, a lot of news can accumulate, but I'll try to cover as much as I can as quickly as I can. Uh, First of all, as you all know, October 27th was the big day when the box set for the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road was released. Amongst rave reviews all over the media, uh, with, of course, a remix from Giles Martin and two discs of Outtakes, Uh, The previous day was the actual 50th anniversary of its release in the UK, and there was a big party held at Abbey Road Studios with Paul and Ringo celebrating with their wives, and Olivia Harrison was there, as well as uh, Giles Martin. Everyone who attended got to hear the album in a new Dolby Atmos mix, with 21 speakers placed around the room. Wow. Damn and this was designed to give listeners an immersive experience they say showing a new width and depth to the music also that day hundreds of fans as you would imagine walked across the zebra crossing to recreate their own takes of the now uh, famous album cover if you're wondering how well abbey road is selling the big news is that it has just topped the official albums chart in the uk And uh, in the U.S., it returns to the number three position on the Billboard Top 200 for sales of 81,000 equivalent album units with 70,000 of those in album sales. So I guess the remainder are digital sales. So all the box sets have been doing well. Sgt. Pepper, The White Album, and now Abbey Road all making the top ten. Very impressive Mm -hmm. for an album 50 years old, number three in America. Um, for those of you who look for exclusive deals, Target is now offering a special bundle package. If you buy the Abbey Road album on vinyl, you'll get a large Abbey Road t-shirt with it, which all of us could use, I think. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's always, yeah. you know, it's always interesting to see how well the physical media sales do as opposed to the digital sales. Because, you know, if the digital sales ever ellipse the, or, or eclipse the physical media sales, then I think we're going to be in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Why is that? That'll mean younger people are buying it. Well, no, that means I won't have this in my hands, though, possibly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on. Let's hope they don't phase that out. So. Yes. Yeah. So
0: uh, more news, Paul and wife Nancy followed the celebrations by attending uh, Paris Fashion Week. On September 30th, the couple were seen at Opera Garnier in Paris, and they were there to support Stella's new fashion line for the summer and fall for 2020. While in France, Paul and Nancy also visited the Union Libérale Israelite de France, which is a liberal Jewish synagogue in Paris. Okay, um, some constant information. The show called It Was 50 Years Ago Today, which is a salute to the Beatles' White Album by a supergroup that boasts Todd Rundgren, Jason Sheff from Chicago, Joey Mullen of Badfinger, Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees, and Christopher Cross. That tour is currently underway, and it's going through December in the United States. Also, a Yoko Ono retrospective art exhibit called, I love this title, Remembering the Future, that's hmm. kind of like things we said today you know, right. <laughs> in the lyrics to that, remembering the future. That's running right now through October 27th at the Everson Museum in Syracuse. A mm-hmm. couple of things concerning Harry Nilsson, since uh, many Beatle fans are Nilsson fans. Uh, the last recordings that Harry worked on are coming out on an album called Lost and Found, spelled L-O-S-S-T, Lost and Found. Uh, Mark Hudson produced the album, and it includes appearances from Van Dyke Parks, Jimmy Webb, the great songwriter, Jim Keltner, and also Harry Kifo, who plays bass on the album. And that's due out November the 22nd. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Along with that comes word that Harry's animated children's film, The Point, will be celebrating its 50th anniversary by being released for the first time ever on HD and Blu-ray and an Ultimate Edition, which includes both previously available bonus material and brand-new material produced exclusively for this release. You're going to have to wait a little while for it. It's not coming out until February 11th. It's available from MVD Entertainment. Hmm. So lots of news there on the Harry Nilsson front. And also a good friend of ours, Neil Innes of Ruddles fame. and the Bonzo Dog Band fame. He's just released a new solo album called Nearly Really. (laughs) It's not easy to say. It's been released on CD and you can get it at neilinnis.media or nearlyreally.com. Ken McNabb's recent book exploring in detail the tumultuous and eventful year of 1969 for the Beatles called And In The End has just been released in paperback form. There are rumors just rumors at this point about Paul McCartney playing in Glastonbury for the festival next year and possibly returning to Tel Aviv in 2020. Now, we do have um, some sad news on three major passings for Beatles fans. First of all, Peter Sissons, the former BBC journalist, has died at the age of 77. Peter went to school with John, Paul and George. Hmm. and Paul made a statement on Facebook calling him his old schoolmate from the Liverpool Institute. He said they stayed in touch as time went by and followed their own separate careers. Paul's quoted as saying he was a talented news presenter with a great sense of humor. I will miss him, but always have fond memories of the time we spent together. There's a photo you may have seen before of John with a bunch of boys uh, swimming when they were children. Um, And Right to the left of John is Peter Sissons. And to the right of him is Jimmy Tarbuck, who became a very popular comedian in England. He's still alive. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're familiar with that photo, Peter is to the left of John. Also, there's actress Anna Quayle. Um, She was known for being in the BBC children's TV show Grange Hill. Also in the films Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Casino Royale. And uh, to Beatle fans, she will always be remembered for her role in A Hard Day's Night. She played a woman called Millie, who recognizes John Lennon in the hallway going undercover. Mm-hmm. And you all know that dialogue. We've all mm-hmm. repeated it time and time again. You know, you look just like him, you know, and all that.
3: That's she one looks of, one more
0: of like- my favorite
3: scenes, actually. What's that? It's one of my favorite scenes, actually.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. hmm it's great. She looks know. more like than I do. Yeah. <laughs> How many people watching this show right now have gone through those lines and memorized it and say it over and over? <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Anna, she passed away at age 86 after battling dementia. She actually died on August the 16th, but the news only came out recently. And then finally, uh, we all have heard about Ginger Baker, uh, the great drummer who was in Cream and Blind Faith. There are Beatle Connections. To Ginger Baker uh, while recording the Band on the Run album in Lagos, Nigeria. Ginger actually invited Wings to record at his own studios called mm-hmm. Arc Studios, which was in Akeja, mm. Ikeja, I K E J A, Ikeja. And they recorded Picasso's Last Words there. Also, Denny Lane was in uh, Ginger Baker's Air Force his band, for a brief time in 1971, I think the year was, and Paul issued this statement on Twitter, Ginger Baker, great drummer, wild and lovely guy, (laughs) sad to hear that he died, but the memories never will, and Ringo said, God bless Ginger Baker, incredible musician, wild and inventive drummer, peace and love to his family. And in Rolling Stone magazine, Ringo remembered that a few times Ginger joined Ringo and the All-Stars on stage when Jack Bruce was in the band. Wow. Okay. And Ringo actually introduced Ginger on stage by saying, ladies and gentlemen, 2% cream. (laughs) How do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's in Rolling Stone. And speaking of Ringo, a reminder, his new album, What's My Name? Comes out October twenty fifth, just a couple weeks away. We should also be hearing pretty soon about the next McCartney rematch. Right. Yeah. Just thinking about that because, you know, he's been consistent every year since Ben on the run, putting out right. one or two titles. It's now October. Should be coming out November or December. Yeah. So we'll just on like the holidays. Yeah.
1: We're we're <laughs> on the street that should be either later this week or next week. I'm okay, sorry. you've heard hey, that. We're
0: talking flaming pie, right? That's the last I heard. Yeah. The rumors were London Town and back to the egg for a while. And then a couple of months ago, they started saying it was Flaming Pie. So,
1: yeah, we shall see. The team is doing a good job of keeping us all in suspense. (laughs)
3: That's
2: for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, that's it for the news.
2: All right. Okay, thanks a lot, Ken. Listen, Kit, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Abbey Road conference that you went to and how that went?
3: Yes. Uh,
2: that, a lot
3: yeah, I mean, it was it was really uh, an incredible experience. It was very different from the Monmouth um, conference mm. uh, from last November. This was a little smaller, but it was at the Eastman School of Music um, in Rochester, New York. And I mean, first of all, it was just a thrill to be there. I mean, that's one of the finest music schools uh, in the country. and And so it was just really a, a Just a thrill to be there um there were just so many incredible presentations um ken womack our own ken womack was there and he did a discussion about the abbey road medley and george martin's role in it he did a presentation on that he also led a discussion with ken townsend who Hmm. i'm sure many of you know um an engineer at abbey road and later on became the general manager uh and he was truly the nicest guy um i got to have uh, dinner with him the night before we were all leaving to to go back home we were staying at the same hotel so we grabbed uh, grabbed dinner and um what a lovely guy and i mean he and sharp as a tack he's 86 yeah, yeah, he's 86, and he was talking about how he remembers recording "Yellow Submarine." Mal Evans strapping the big bass drum on and hitting it and all that. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, I had to, I had to keep reminding myself, like, just stay, stay cool, stay present, stay focused. Um, he, he just truly was. I, I'm hoping to convince him maybe to come to a Beatles uh, Beatles fest because I think you would all really, really right. like it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, he just has incredible stories. Um, There were, uh, gosh, there were presentations on virtually every aspect of Abbey Road you can possibly think of. Walter Everett, who is a musicologist, and he wrote Mm -hmm. a two-volume work called The Beatles as Musicians, where he analyzes all the different, uh, you know, every track on every album. Yes, it's technical, but when he presents, he really makes things clear. And he talked about, like, different melodies that repeat throughout different songs, and Abbey Road, and he isolated them and and demonstrated. Fascinating. I mean, you know, you you just hear stuff you've never heard before.
0: Is this like... Is this okay. like deconstructing the Beatles? Like a kind similar of, idea? It's yeah. kind
3: of like that. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. And um, Gary Astridge, he was another highlight. Mm. I'm sure many of you have seen him at the fest. Um, uh, Ringo's drum archivist, also just a, just a sweet guy, and he demonstrated some of Ringo's drumming techniques. Talked about how we first got, you know, hooked up with Ringo, and it was incredible. He talked about the first time he worked on one of Ringo's drums, and It just hit him that, you know, and he said, he is the reason that I became a drummer, that I got involved in music, and and he actually teared up and and choked up on stage. (laughs) Um, And there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean... (sighs) It was incredible. Um, I gave a presentation on "Oh Darling" and its connections to a genre called swamp pop, which was a, a genre in um, Southeast Louisiana and uh, Texas, uh, parts of you know South Texas. And it's basically, you know, if you've heard the song um, "Sea of Love," if you remember that song. Yeah. That's basically Swamp Pop. Um, hmm. It's R&B, uh, Country, um, Zydeco, and um, uh, Cajun kind of mixed into one. And I talked about how you can hear that in "Oh Darling, and I talked about the ways that the Beatles may have encountered Swamp Pop, including from Clarence Frogman Henry, which I'm sure <laughs> many of you remember that name.
1: <laughs> he so, it too. so we got uh, Kittle Tool, Queen of Swamp. Pop as well, <laughs> so
0: I,
2: exactly. And in fact, I, I, I didn't even know I liked Swamp Pop. Now, now that I know that uh, Sea of Love, I love that. You song. know
3: what? I almost called the presentation "the music you don't know that you know." <laughs> you know, because you hear the <laughs> really? example Sea of Love, like Oh no, uh, please come moves. home. Yeah, please come home for Christmas is another one. Mm-hmm. The original version. Um, okay. You know, it's uh, so the, and that went really well. Had a, had a great audience for that. So you know, it was definitely it was smaller it was a little more um, you know it, it was a little more it was more academic you know even more academic I mean Monmouth was too but this was you know some of the presentations were a little technical but the vast majority of them were fascinating and really made me listen to the album to Abbey Road in a brand new way so it I, I was so glad to, to have been there it was just a fascinating weekend very mm. cool
0: yeah. Thanks. Oh, go ahead. Just, just one thing, because you, you mentioned Clarence Frogman Henry. I know him for the song uh, But I Do. Yes. Which that's was a, a that's you a, know. Pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, when I heard that years ago, it's like, it's so Fats Domino. It hmm. sounds like Fats Domino on there. I think that might have been a big influence on him. Mm-hmm. So would you say Fats Domino is part of the swamp pop I as have... well?
3: Absolutely, Blueberry Hill. Listen to Blueberry Hill, and <laughs> a lot of the the elements of swamp pop are in that. the, the piano, uh-huh. the, you know, the triplet chords. I mean, it's 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 all you know. So yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do talk about that in the presentation. Mm. That yeah, Fats Domino is is a big figure. I may be doing this presentation in March at at the mm. New Church fest okay so if you if anybody out there is coming um uh, hopefully we're all going to be there um i'll i'll be doing it then so it's it's really uh, i think i think you'll you'd enjoy it <laughs> i cool. do yeah cool. yeah
1: i think you got one more thing to announce as well Kit.
3: yes i do and i had a commenter <laughs> say earlier i i want to know what kit's news is so <laughs> uh <laughs> so we finally i know i have said so many times on here, you know, the different platforms we're on. And I kept saying, I Heart radio. I've not been able to get us on there. We're finally on there. We are now on I Heart radio. I'm so excited to finally uh, get it done. So we are, uh, I will put the link up on our page, of course, at, uh, at the end of the show and um, you know, you can get all of our episodes; they're all there. Um, and uh, you know, please spread the word because it's a little hard to find if you if you don't know you know exactly where to look. So when I send out the link, please tell all your friends and family. So if you are an iHeartRadio app user, hallelujah!
0: We're finally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be sharing the link, so that's yeah, right. I can find it. So.
2: Yeah,
3: right. Absolutely. All right. Wow. So,
2: uh, are we ready for our main topic? Let's Good. do this. Um, okay. Well, anybody want to know what the main topic is? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know
1: what is. Okay. Let it be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Abby, yeah, I was going to say, uh, you see,
2: I'm honoring the album. Um, <laughs> Abbey Road, uh, you know, reissued, following in the footsteps of what we've had the last couple of years. You know, we had mm-hmm. Sgt. Pepper in mm-hmm. 2017, the White Album. We had in 2018, and now, by, again, by uh, Giles Martin and Sam O'Kell, the remix of Abbey Road in Time for the 50th. And I have to tell you, the reason that I'm wearing this shirt is for two reasons. One of them was because I just wanted to freak people out. Like, you know, you, you, have to, you have the wrong album. No, but mainly because I don't have an Abbey Road shirt. That's the main reason I'm But anyway, I thought maybe we'd go around and uh, one at a time maybe, and First, talk about the album itself, the new uh, edition of this album, or what we all think of some of the, the tracks, the highlights, and if there's any low lights, something maybe you don't care for as much, or whatever, the pros, cons, anything. Uh, and then, after that, if we have time, hopefully we will, we'll a lot to cover it, we'll go into some of the bonus stuff that's on the sessions discs
1: things, okay? So, why don't we start with uh, Tom? You okay. go first. I'd uh, be more than happy to. Thank you very much, Joe. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, "Is um, you know, what do you get the person that has everything? Because I, I feel like this album already has everything, you know, before. Um, and I don't think it really needed this 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 remix, but we've got it. I think it's a good thing we've got it. But as we all said with these remixes, they shouldn't be considered the, the be all to end all. So, it's cool that we have this, but um, you know we should still consider the 2009 uh, release as as the as the ultimate release on this album. For me personally, it's my favorite uh, vocally uh, vocal album. I love all of the the singing on this album. It's it's just tremendous. I think the one thing that really stands out on this new remix is the backing vocals, which uh, just really um, you know just comes out. Clear and clean. Now I will say I was I spent a lot of time listening to both versions back to back, uh, track by track, and I will say the 2009 mix to me, to my ears, it plays louder than this uh, remix. So I think there's when with this remix, it's it sounded like they brought. Like the main vocals down a little bit and then that way we were able to get those backing vocals a little more clear you know obviously we we talk about the bass and drums that are you know are starting to be the norm now as as, as one of the highlights that are being um you know lifted up a little bit from the from the mix um but uh but all in all i i think this was this was a, a good job um you know, I'll I'll go through a couple songs where I think um, stood out for me. Um, I'll go over just my, my my three favorite songs on the album real quick. Um, we'll start with uh, "Something," um, which if you listen to the 2009 the the intro the uh, the drum intro by by Ringo, I think just comes out a lot stronger than this mix. I think this the intro with with Ringo's drums is a little softer. I don't know if it works as much. Um, but I do feel like his vocals are George's vocals. That is, are are brought down a little bit, and the harmonies are brought up, and especially the strings on the uh, on this track, I think, are a little bit more present on um, on something as well, um, which made it a little bit more enjoyable. I know we've got the isolated strings on here as well on as one of the um, as one of the um, I think it was on CD three, I believe, which is just the uh, the strings. Uh, I think that was a nice addition to hear those. And and like I said, the drums I think throughout the whole thing feel a little softer. I don't think they feel the same as uh, the 2009. But you know, that's okay. Um, Again, uh, You Never Give Me Your Money is another song that I consider to be one of my favorites on this album. Funny thing is too about this mix is you can tell by listening to it on headphones that, you know, they, they go they go back and forth a little differently than on the 2009. And one of the things that I noticed on here was the opening, uh, Paul's opening piano um, on You Never Give Me Your Money, where you can just hear it on the 2009 and one channel, but on this mix, you hear it coming out from, from both. And that seemed to be a little bit more enjoyable to my ears. Um, and then again, with uh, Paul's vocals, I think, Um, is a real highlight for this album. Especially with the backing vocals on this as well. Um, One thing I've noticed too is that towards the end is the guitar solo that's kind of extended a little bit. I think you hear a little bit more than what you do on the 2009 mix. Um, So that's a little bit something to look out for. Um, And uh, another one that's into my ears is just a little a little different but still a little bit enjoyable is um i want you she's so heavy where on that first verse of i want you um you hear a lot of hiss in my opinion on that 2009 um mix but here that hiss is kind of um gone away on that and then you really i think notice billy preston's organ playing on this um on that version and then i'm sure we'll get to (laughs) you know the uh oh we will Oh, yeah. (laughs) As one of the highlights of the uh, of of this album. But um, and then so those are just like three, three songs that to me, to my ears have slight differences from the 2009. And those are the three songs that I gravitated right away when I got this um, album just to see what kind of differences they were. Um, There's other differences, too. But I'm sure I just want to leave you guys some some songs to talk about as well. So those are my three. And, um, you know, we'll go from there
2: okay very good very good okay kit how about you
1: well i i
3: have to uh echo you tom on uh, i want you she's so heavy i thought that really benefited from mm. uh, from the remix um you know i think john's vocals are higher up um okay. in the mix and you can really particularly if you're listening on headphones or system right. i mean you hear every rasp you know right. Voice, you can really hear him, um, you know, emoting. I mean, and and I really don't, you know. I mean, I've heard it before, but now with this remix, you really, really, Mm. um, you can hear Billy Preston's organ, as you mentioned, much clearer. Um, And the other thing too is Ringo's drumming uh, really benefits on this remix of Abbey Road. To me, it sounds like he's in the room with you. You know,
0: yeah,
3: he's really like you can hear, you know, just every little, you know, using the whole surface almost and, and hearing the different tones and the different, um, uh, you know, skins he used. And I mean, you really hear right. it. It's, it's just so clear on this. And, and I want you. She's so heavy is a great example of that even I, I think the. Um, the, the moog you know white noise at the end I think they they seem to have brought up the uh, music a bit um, mm-hmm. at the end so the white noise doesn't totally overwhelm it, right? Um, like it did in the other um, remix. Mm. So to me, that made—I don't know how else to put it—it it made more sense. If, if that—if <laughs> if that you know makes—if that makes any sense. I mean, I just felt like you know it really demonstrated this this feeling of you know this this feeling the this passion that John was communicating, kind of. You know, gradually enveloping the music. I mean, I'm probably reading much into it, but that's what you know. That's what the remix did for me. Mm, Um, Okay. uh, Yeah, I thought that was Mm. great Um, because I thought that voice. All the, I mean, the voices are the stars of that, and they Mm -hmm. should be. And you really hear that. um, You know, even more um, in uh, in this remix. Um, And uh, I thought it was interesting. The uh, Sun King. You could hear the sound effects uh, between "You Never Give Me Your Money" and, and "Sun King" much clearer. That transition. I mean, there were some sounds in there I had never really noticed before. Um, you know, right bef- and then uh, there was also an organ part that I'd never mm. noticed before. Right before they start speaking, you know, the right. so foreign language right. section. Mm. Never noticed that before. Carry that weight. I'm. I'm. Like, wow, you can really hear Ringo singing. <laughs> I, I haven't been able to hear that. I mean, I heard the others. But boy, I mean, you could really hear Ringo in this remix. I mean, I you know heard his voice very clearly. And then finally, the end, I I think they did a nice job of uh, remixing the strings and horns. I, mean, I think you hear them a lot better. And, um, you know, it just adds to the drama. So for me, a lot of, of the... The stuff on here, I, I would say the remixes, they're not dramatic. I mean, some of the White Album remixes for me,
1: you mm-hmm. know,
3: were like some of them like Long, Long, Long or something. I thought, wow, yeah. you know, this is this. I mean, that just had a huge impact on me. Right. Just made me listen in a new way. Don't know if the Abbey Road remixes did that for me exactly. Right. But I like how they clarified some of the parts and made Ringo's drumming sound warmer, you know more the tone more rounded and uh, and I that I really appreciated so and that... I like what mm-hmm. you said
2: kid, about the skins because yeah, I, I didn't had a word my feelings almost like I could hear the skin, right. <laughs> the <laughs> skin <laughs> yeah. Exactly. some parts really really crisp, really really good. okay, uh, thank you very much and uh, Ken, what are your feelings?
0: I like the new remix a lot. I think just about all the instrumentation is clearer. You can hear a separation yeah. more of all the uh, different instruments. Um, though it has been said many times, I think the bass and the drums really benefit. It's brought up more in the mix. But um, like Tom was saying, I think Joss Martin was very, um, I don't know. He really wanted to bring up the backing vocals mm. a lot yes. more on this album. Yes. And that, that really is the, the biggest change I heard from me mm-hmm. on something like Oh Darling, Will You Hear Ooze in yeah, there that yes. maybe you never heard before. Um, I hear more backing vocals in Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yeah. There's more in yeah. Here Comes the Sun. Um, you know, I like the new remix. I don't think there'll ever be a time when I say to myself, I prefer the new remix <laughs> because there was nothing wrong with the original mix. You know, the 2009 mix I thought was, you know, pretty darn close to perfect mm-hmm. um there are times when i'm like i have oh wow moments like when the drums kick in at the very beginning of something it's just amazing yeah um i love if you notice the very end of come together is a little bit longer mm-hmm. and there's some yeah. there's a few more ad libs vocal ad libs from john that i hadn't heard before it's only a few seconds longer but you know, when you've heard these songs a thousand times, the slightest little difference you're going to pick up. But listen sure. to that in headphones, if you can, because it, yep. it does go on a little bit longer. You mentioned the, um, the uh, skins on the, on the uh, drums. Ringo himself pointed out, listen to Bathroom Window. Uh-huh. You can really hear it on there. Uh, really, the drums are brought up in, in, in that particular song. Um, I really liked it. I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad that I have an alternative if I want if I don't <laughs> feel like hearing mm-hmm. the original mix but you know I, I don't know if if um, you know from now on I'm gonna be turning to this version because right. I like having a choice
1: yeah. you know and yeah. uh,
0: the more I listen to the new remix, the more I'll discover some new things but uh, I'm pleased with it but it's like one of those albums where there was less to really work on yeah. right. You know, it's kind of like whenever you're doing remastering of newer albums, say the McCartney series, the newer the album is, the less work there is to do. Right. (laughs) You know, there's less cleaning up to do. Um, So it's kind of the same thing. I mean, Abbey Road was an album of perfection as far as I'm concerned in the way that it was recorded and mixed. Mm
1: -hmm. So, but I like Mm.
0: these few changes.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting enough to keep our attention for, for... you know, for the most part, but I you know, definitely feel that maybe, like like you said, kid, I think the white album uh, remix may have been a little bit more interesting or a little bit more wow factor on that one than than this. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah,
3: I, it just, it didn't have that, or even some parts of Sergeant Pepper. I mean, there Mm -hmm. were some of the Sergeant Pepper remixes that, you know, I thought, wow, you know, that really, you know, like, um, uh, within you, without you or something. I mean, that was kind of a revelation to me in a way. I mean, the remix was just so, so crisp, so good and detailed. And Mm -hmm. yes, as, as you all pointed out, you know, the, the quality was kind of already there in this case was a track i will say this though that i i think it this this remix to me and i'm trying to to think of how to how to put this it it kind of i don't know this the, a lot of the the songs sound warmer to me
1: somehow. yeah that's a good that's a good way to put it i felt yeah. the same way because you know especially from the 2009 mix where i thought it sounded louder uh i think like you're right i think it does have a little bit more warming factor on this one than than the 2009. I think that's a really good word to to, to use to describe it.
3: Yeah, because I just feel like, you know, even, I mean, I remember first hearing it on cassette back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it sounded, you know, it was so different than the other Beatles recordings that uh, it, it almost sounded I don't know I'm trying to think I mean this sounds pretty harsh but I don't know almost clinical or something yeah. where you, you noticed that wow this is a world leap forward in, in recording and everything's so crisp and and clear and that's great this remix to me really in and the 2009 to an extent too mm-hmm. kind of took away some of that that you know that clinical kind of sound, and made you f- more just appreciate the roundness of the tones and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah so that that okay. in that way, the remix
2: did mm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, right. Well, just to give some of my own thoughts uh, uh, towards this. Um, I think out of the three releases that came out so far, this is my favorite. Mm. And maybe that's because it wasn't really as drastic in some cases. I mean, uh, the Giles Martin mixes, uh, to me, are always hit and miss, uh, going back to even when they did some songs on the on the one, uh, the one version. I, I have the feeling uh, when I listen to these that, you know, I love when you can hear the original stuff that you've always heard, brighter, you know, louder. Uh, more, more clear. That's always something that I'm looking for. Uh, and I also like when I hear new things that I haven't heard before. A good example of that is something Ken started bringing up to me the thing that blew me away the most out of the whole album was "Oh Darling." Mm-hmm. I uh, the ooze that, that Ken was referring to, mm-hmm. not singing them for you, uh, oh, I didn't. Lord. I mean, I heard this, so like everybody else. I've heard, I've heard this song zillions of times. I do not even know they were there. Now I know the ahs are there. There's two different things. There's ooze as he starts, especially on the second verse. Oh, yeah. darling the ooze come in loud, and then I listened to the ah part, as I've always known that was there, but I never even knew the ooze were there in the, the, the beginning, it almost sounded like they were put in for the first time, which was probably not true, but that's how blown away I was by that, that's what really impressed me, um, and, and as I said at the beginning here, you know, I'm always in, into the idea of making things that you already know louder, more vibrant and stuff, and more clear and uh, bring up some new stuff like the user that's that's great but just don't om- omit things yeah. that uh i'm used yeah. to hearing you know you you hear these so many times I mean, something people have been talking about a lot is at the end of come together john's famous growl or yeah. whatever yeah. he says or whatever uh and people have pointed out to me on my channel it's still there it's just very low in the back i'm this might as well not be there if I have to strain to hear it. Uh, hmm. it. You know, it's a small thing, but when you're used to hearing a song for fifty years or whatever it's been, uh, you kind of miss it. I've noticed that with a lot of these works. I could, you know, we're not talking about other albums, we're not talking about other songs now from other places, but uh, there's things that, that that I do miss. And this version of "I Want You" she's so heavy to my ears some of the times when they're repeating heavy 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 a few times i couldn't really hear them as as loud those words saying uh-huh. being said over and over again i thought kind of buried a little bit with all the instrumentation uh being improved so it's, it's like a hit and a miss but i mean overall with the drums the way they are i mean so pronounced the bass uh that that's Worth, worth the price of admission, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and the harmonies that everybody has said. Uh, it even brought even brought up uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. All good children yeah. go to heaven. I'm like, hey, no, you know, and it's like, that's it's like, hmm, do I, did I need that louder? I don't know, but. <laughs> It, it's interesting. I mean, if it's going to be exactly the same, what's the point in a way of having, you, you know, you want to have something mm-hmm. a little different, but it, to me, it's a, it's a, a hit and miss thing, but I overall, for all my quibbles, was was happy with this. I just thought it sounded more alive, more, dare I say, today, mm-hmm. you know, it just mm-hmm. sounded more like something I could imagine being a, a modern album, and there wasn't much to do as as we've discussed with this particular release, right, as much as there was maybe some other ones, uh, so you, it didn't. It was pretty good as it already was. So I don't. I think that's why I liked it the best. I really didn't hear anything too drastic. That really made me think. Oh well, this is not the way I really remember it. And yeah. that's why it's my favorite. Um, yeah. So that's. I guess we already covered the album. surprised we did yeah. it so, so, so <laughs> fast. I'm looking at the time here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm sure well, any more notes. Nah. nah yeah. that, that's it. Just, you know, the good I'll, and the we'll bad. The,
1: another thing I noticed as well was on... Um uh, Her Majesty. Where on the 2009, you know, you've, when you first start hearing him saying Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, is a little bit more of an echo on that. Um, on this one, it's it's there's really no echo at all. It's it's really clear um, and more close sounding than the, um, than that 2009
2: mix. Uh, I, another thing yeah. I remember that I, I wanted to mention is on uh, want, "Want You She's So Heavy" again when John did that loud yeah at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that was already improved, though, on the 2009. Am I right? That there's no overmodulation so. or crackling. Yeah. There was always this kind of distortion. Uh, and and that, that's, that's gone now. I think it was gone on the 2009 as well. I haven't revisited that in a while, <laughs> the 2009 version. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, why don't we then uh, discuss some of the extras, uh, of, of which there are many? Uh, yeah. Not as many as. This past release. This whole overall package is somewhat uh, less, but I'm all right with that. Uh, but let, let's go around and, and uh, see what you think. We're going to start this time with, uh, let's do Ken
0: with the extras. You know, I like you all know? of them. <laughs> I mean, when no. I first got the box set, I just went right to the extras. I cared more yeah, about sure. that than the remix. But I like so many aspects of it. I like hearing songs when they're stripped down, Mm -hmm. when you just hear something like, even though it's not an Abbey Road song, but like the ballad of John and Yoko with just John and Paul Mm. and, uh, you know, John playing acoustic guitar and Paul on drums and nothing else. You know, it's really cool to hear that, you know, um, Old Brown Shoe. Okay, without the full band playing, you know, it has a different vibe altogether. Um, One of the things, and I pointed this out in my other podcast show, that I found really interesting about the Abbey Road songs is that some of them were rehearsed during the Let It Be sessions. Right. But you learn from these early takes that from the get-go, the arrangements didn't change all that much. They pretty much knew what they were going to do. I mean, um, Mean Mr. Mustard is slower. In the very beginning Mm -hmm. like in this early take but they obviously felt that they had to speed it up a bit but um that's one of the things but even though it's not a different arrangement you still learn something (laughs) about how they approach these songs even if you go back to the beatles anthology volume three where they have take one of come (laughs) together it's pretty close to how come together was finished you know they're very similar in the takes um i like all the different outtakes i love hearing songs that you're used to hearing with strings and brass and they're not there and it's just the band i love golden slumbers carry that weight the few takes of that it's really cool to hear it just like that when it's just the band and nothing else you know it has a completely different vibe altogether. Mm -hmm. um i love that alternate take of you never give me your money that's one of my favorite moments Um, Of all the outtakes and it's nice to hear it when it's missing something like the honky-tonk piano in the middle of the song and not having the the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven part. It's just the band going through like a run-through of the song. But everything is structured as the the way the song was going to, to appear without those few things. You know, so to hear it with less, it's still very interesting. I like hearing just the orchestration that George Martin gave to something, hearing that alone, because I think something is a song where you may not be as much aware of how much the orchestration mattered to that song. It's very understated, you know, and I kind of find it interesting that for whatever reason, something is the only song in this box set where we don't have any alternate take of the band doing it. It's only the demo. And I wonder right. why that is. I don't know if anybody has asked Giles Martin that mm-hmm. question. But um, to hear the orchestration on just something, and there's a part where you hear the strings plucking away, that's pizzicato, that I never heard before in sure. the in the final mix that we've come to know all these years. To hear the orchestration on um, Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight You know, you've heard it in the background. Now it stands by itself. And in many ways, it reminds me of the different orchestrations that we heard on the Imagine Box set for Imagine and How Do You Sleep when they isolate just that. Or even on other, um, you know, Beatles releases, Within You Without You, which is like, it's a real treat to hear just the Indian instruments playing. And then you also have just the Western instruments playing Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the background. Both of that isolated that we've gotten through the years, that kind of thing. Um, there's, there's quite a lot. I like the demos. I mean, goodbye is nothing new for all of us who have heard the, the bootleg. It's still the same, but it's nice to know that it's officially out. Yep. Um, come and get it, I really got to listen more carefully because this is actually the original mix of come and get it, whereas what was on the Beatles anthology was a, a different mix that Jeff Emmerich made for originally for Sessions. Which they used on the Beatles anthology. So that kind of thing. There's a lot of highlights all throughout. Um, That's just a few of them. I love (laughs) Here Comes the Sun, you know, just the band doing it without hearing the Moog synthesizer on there. You know? Um, Ringo's still working
1: out the drum parts on there. I mean, it's still, yeah, it's it's really
0: nice. And it's a very difficult song to drum to, that middle part with Mm -hmm. all the different time signatures there. And so, Mm. uh, but even still, George knew what he wanted on the song. It was only towards the end that he added the Moog. Right. You know? Um, Oh, how can you not talk about I Want You, She's So Heavy? Just to hear hear (laughs) Billy Preston's organ playing, which is brought up in the mix. And I actually wish it would be even hotter. (laughs) It's that good. And it made me want to hear more of that in the version that we've known on Abbey Road. I think he added a lot to the song so that's just some of them you know of, of the highlights for me
2: okay okay how about you now uh tom let's see uh, what you've got to say about
1: it yeah you know this again you know like like uh, ken i went straight for these uh demos and and session takes and all that i it's this is for me the highlight of all of these box sets that have been coming out um that I love the chatter, you know, at the beginning and the end of these songs that they've been adding, you know, lately. Yes. Um, especially on uh, the battle of John and Yoko, where you hear John vocally <laughs> yeah. you know, say, play a little faster, Ringo. And, and Paul mm. says, okay, George. So, I mean, that's fun. That and, I just like, yeah, and I just like to point out the fact that, you know, the battle of John and Yoko, where it's just those two, and how important that is. Because I don't think there will ever be another time that it was just them two in a studio again together playing and um you know and the, and the fact yeah. that they were having a great time in the midst of all of the, their business uh you know troubles mm-hmm. and you know and they were able to knock this song out and and have a great time doing it um you know like you said yeah. ken it's great to have finally have a good uh, i mean an uh, official release of goodbye um i always enjoyed that um uh let's see here come and get it um you know one hour it, it took him to complete this song, uh, you know, Paul, and it mm-hmm. just, you know, and was it? I, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, it was it ended up being a top five hit for Badfinger in the UK.
0: In the UK, I'm not sure. In the U S it was number seven, I think.
1: Okay. But I think it may have hit the top five for, for the U in the UK, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, a uh, cool story was, you know, uh, Paul was commissioned to do three songs for uh, the Magic Christian, and uh, you know they were worried about Badfinger's career, so they gave or Paul decided to give Badfinger this song and say, "Look, you do it right this way, and right. then I'll give you, I'll let you guys write the other two songs for for the for the movie as well." So they jumped on that, and it was a hit, just like uh, he promised. Um, I love the the vocals that Paul does on You Never Give Me Your Money, where it's almost more like a falsetto voice that, you know, we didn't hear until later on, and you know, from, like, Girlfriend or, or So Bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was that was pretty cool. And uh, and she came in through the bathroom window. You know, you get different fills from uh, from Ringo on that one. And, you know, it's always cool to hear him uh, play drums on any song and, and, you know, see what he comes up with. And uh, that was a lot of fun as well.
0: Right. So, yeah, those
1: were a few of the uh, – and oh, darling, too, you know, Paul working out the vocals on that on take four. You know, I mean, how many more times would he do that song before he finally got it the way he wanted? <laughs> you
2: know? So, and Ringo and Ringo and Paul really there, sing, right? So, I really, really like that, right? Okay, Kit.
3: Well, you mentioned oh, darling, and I actually used that, uh, that take, uh, take four in my presentation okay. because his. Um, vocals, uh, Paul's vocals on that version are actually closer to true swamp pop ah. than the final version was because that okay. you know, kind of bluesy screaming that, that was that's not a typical swamp pop sound, it's a little smoother. So, actually, I, I played take four in my presentations, I'm like, this is actually closer, hmm. you know, like really close to swamp pop. So, uh, hmm. so yeah, that, that's a great one. Um, I, uh, also, uh, I, of course, I loved I Want You She So happy with billy prestons is going to town on the, on the organ i mean I, he's just he was oh. incredible talent um i'm a i'm a huge fan so it was just wonderful to to hear this i i just was thrilled that to me was worth the price of admission you know i mean it really <laughs> Yeah, really. Um, the demo for something that just beautiful. I mean, mm. it's almost as good as the final version. I mean, yeah, George's vocal nice. isn't one hundred percent perfect, but you know, but it's almost there. And to just hear him accompanied by you know piano and guitar, I mean, it's just you know simple. I love the final version, but this was just. I mean, it it just sounded like he was in the living room, you know, in your living room singing this to you.
0: Um, and they made so- sure they made sure with this demo version because there was the demo on Anthology Three,
3: mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. one
0: this one they added the piano, yep. so there was a difference. So. Yes,
3: exactly, and the piano is is stunning. I mean, it really is. Um, I enjoyed the uh, Take Two of Old Brown Shoe. I thought George sounded like he was having a lot of fun. Um, and we know, you know, <laughs> stories <laughs> surrounding uh, this album yeah. that, uh, shall we say, George was feeling frustrated at various times, but to hear him really just sound like he's he's having fun. And I love hearing, you know, on the final version, obviously his voice sounds quite a bit different, you know, with singing in the control room and, and all, as I recall, uh, saying there, and, uh, you know, here it's it's just a straightforward vocal, um, and uh, and I just thought you could you know, just really feel his joy in in uh, recording it. It's a lot of fun. Um and uh, can we talk about the long one trial <laughs> and, and mix? Yeah. Oh my God. I mean to <laughs> me, I just I I was fascinated listening to this. Um, you know, I've heard I, I think I have heard before on the internet or something somewhere where you know somebody put edited her majesty back in the mix so that part wasn't you know a big big surprise well it's it's interesting to hear but to hear, like, um, you know, the, the voices like before double, you know, they were double tracked, or you yeah. know, I mean, that like on You Never Give Me Your Money, you know, you don't hear really much of an echo on there, mm-hmm. so very interesting. No double tracking on the one, su- uh, one Sweet Dream section. Um, you hear a little extra, a little Richard yell at one point, uh, that I'd never heard before. You just, uh, interesting, like, no sound effects on the sun king transition you just hear an organ sw- chord kind of swirling or or i don't know if that were maybe that's the, the moog i'm not sure but it's you know no no crickets chirping and you know, so you, <laughs> mm-hmm. hear that. Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, hearing John's voice, not double tracked on polyphene Pam. Um, I didn't know that they edited some extra things. You know, when John said before he said, Oh, look out, he was saying, yes. them, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. That,
2: was, interesting. that mm. was
3: fascinating. So you hear where they did the edit, uh, golden slumbers, different Paul vocals. Uh, you know, there were some different vocals on that. Uh, that was, you know, no strings, you know, the strings weren't added yet. I I was just geeking out. I, I will love that. <laughs> I loved hearing this because you really, you know, you, you were saying, Ken, earlier about how you like to hear, you know, songs that are, be, you know, in progress that are being right. put together. Yeah this is a perfect example that not only in terms of, of just, you know, performing the songs, but the mixes, you know, you hear how the mixes change so much during the production. That was just fascinating to me. So that, Mm. I, I thought that was for me, the, the crowning achievement of of this whole package. I, I love it.
0: The long one is really fascinating because you heard the backing tracks with most of it done.
3: Mm-hmm. There's things that
0: had to be overdubbed. And you also learn from reading from, you know, from the booklet here and also from Mark Lewison's notes through the years that one of the last things they did was Paul's vocals on the end, right? the backing vocals when they had to sing, love you, the guitar solos in the end, you know, those are among the last things that they recorded. So it's just nice to hear it without all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the backing tracks add to mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm.
1: And you bring up love Yous." and I noticed that was another thing on the remix that they brought up a little bit more too on um, yes you know on the end the, the love Yous." I noticed yeah yeah I what I about the, gu-
2: the guitar solos uh everybody was saying they were they're, mo- they're moved uh,
0: I don't know who's in the, the left somebody's the, in
2: yeah. the, the center mm-hmm. and somebody's in the
0: right mm-hmm uh, that I'm not sure about. <laughs> I mean, somebody said that. I don't know what they were before.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll you
0: listen were say more some, carefully Ken? now. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to say something about old brown shoe, and it's really bothering me. <laughs> do you know where I'm going? Yeah, I Yeah, I do. As I said in our last show, I'm a real stickler for accuracy. And back in 1988, when George was promoting Cloud9, he gave an interview to Cream Magazine, and he said in that interview that he played the bass on Old Brown Shoe. Hmm. Now, you look at the notes here that Kevin Hallett did, and it mentions, first of all, that Ringo wasn't even on the sessions and that Paul plays the drums on Old Brown Shoe. Okay. Hmm. And it also says that Paul plays the bass and that John plays the piano. Okay. But. <sighs> If you can't even believe the songwriter saying it, you know, I I don't understand. I mean, if you listen to the bass line in Old Brown Shoe on this take, this earlier take, there's a, it's, the bass line is done on the acoustic strings, the nylon strings. So it's practically copied on the electric bass. And I always thought until George said this, that really sounds like Paul playing the bass. And it says in Kevin Hallett's notes, that's Paul. Yeah, yeah. And I've used this in trivia questions because George said this. <laughs> yep. He's right. the songwriter. So I, I hope that the documentation that they have there at Abbey Road is totally accurate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's not just the fact that the Beatles should know what they play on their own instruments, but it's George's own song. Yeah.
1: George Please. said this. Yeah,
0: So I would think he, he wouldn't be wrong about his own song. But well, it's not there in the notes. Yeah.
2: Well, well just you... playing devil's advocate. Remember that bit in anthology when they couldn't tell who played the bass on something? And they were all uh, in the studio in that extra footage trying to figure who played the bass. I don't know. Yeah. I guess you did. Well, or yeah. Something.
1: You know, Ken, I was listening so, to you on things we said today talking about that. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And, you know, all of the, you know, you know mistruths or however you want to say it. And then I'm just thinking about it. I honestly think there is just too much to remember by heart with these guys. I don't know how you can remember every single session, Mm -hmm. whether you're the songwriter or not, you know, and especially with all the, you know, the problems they had going on outside of the studio as well. I just really find it hard to believe that, you know, 19 years later, you know, George can remember exactly, you know, who played what on a song when they had all this turmoil going on. You know outside of the studio as well it's possible you know?
0: but here you're yeah. also dealing with the mm-hmm. situation where he's not playing his usual instrument hmm you know actually he right. does the lead guitar solo yeah. brown right. chew so if it's something yeah. that he doesn't normally play and he does play bass on other songs and you know, mm-hmm. I think he plays the bass on golden slumbers for example um you'd think he would that should stick out in his memory I would think right
1: mm-hmm. fair enough yeah. uh,
2: no, I, this that ad- is a big change, right? George playing bass. I mean, that wouldn't that be something that he would stick out in George's mind?
0: I would think know? so. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Yeah. yeah.
3: It's funny. This this very topic actually came up uh, during the conference. Where we were saying, you know, how much can we rely on the original source? Normally, you right. would absolutely rely on it, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. But you know, we know from a lot of John's interviews, it, it kind of depended on his mood, <laughs> and and so and then yeah, and you're dealing with memory, and also it's really uh, it can be, you know, it can be tricky. But right. uh, but I see what you're saying that you know you think he if, if he played bass on it, you know, yeah, an instrument he didn't normally or he didn't play very much to say the least, uh, that he'd remember it. But you know, who knows. It's it's hard hard to
1: say. Yeah. Or was he through three? Okay, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go
2: go ahead. Ahead. are you uh, going you you first? Really? No, <laughs>
1: or you know because unfortunately I haven't really got to all that book either, but was he just talking about that particular take or was he or was he talking about that song in general?
0: The song in general. I would think okay. he meant yeah. the released version.
1: That's okay. what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to go back to yeah, you. Yeah. Really- that's what I would think.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I was going to say, uh, well, you, you three did a great job. I don't know what's left for me to comment on, but uh, <laughs> that's only drawback of being moderator, I guess. This is yeah. my first time, so I get you go last. But uh, I just want to say something. I'm going to re- reiterate what you've said. That, I want you, she's so heavy. Hmm. And that's, you know, the bonuses start with that. And it was hard for anything to even match that after I heard that. <laughs> I was so blown away by that Billy Preston organ yeah i wanted to i want i wish that so why the heck didn't they do that and leave that on the whole original take of that that's so fantastic it sounds like it's so otherworldly something like uh so so cool and you know modern for the time and psychedelic it it was so so amazing i i just was like spellbound by it I, i had to say that i really i really loved that that was my favorite thing on all of the sessions take. And of course, Ballad of John and Yoko as we said, you know, I love this rapport between uh, uh, John and Paul, you know, maybe the last hurrah so to speak, and joking about Ringo and George and mm. everything like that. I like John's vocals being really like well enunciated. You know, it's funny because again, I mentioned my girlfriend from time to time. We were listening to that to- these together, and with that particular track, she said, "I really like that one the best. Yeah. I really like the way John yeah. sounded on that." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, to, you know, so, so do I. You know, uh, <laughs> and I like too. That I always appreciated that. You know, Paul." You know, maybe you know he had the mixed feelings. Maybe you know Yoko coming into the studio and all that, and being around. But yet he went in there to support John, really, Mm -hmm. uh, for that song. That's really about that. And, and I'm, I'm also amazed. I don't think I knew until I was looking at the book that it says the name of it was "They're Going to Crucify Me." The working title. It's kind of like highlighted right. yeah. instead of "Ballad of John and Yoko," which mm-hmm. I kind of think is a better title, "Ballad of John and Yoko." Yeah. But uh, I was fascinated by that. I hadn't I hadn't known about that before. It's um,
1: uh, it's in this book right here, Joe. If you uh, if you open this one up. Did you write that and... book, Tom? Oh. <laughs> no, I <yeah, laughs> wish well, we yeah. yeah. I wrote that and, uh, book. Trying, I missed your credit at the beginning, no, I'm
2: <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, c- come and get it. You know, so to me, so much superior to the one personally uh, that we're familiar with, uh, and it's clear; it's so much more clear anyway. Uh, not much else. Everything else, you 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 know, you pretty much nailed what I was saying. Uh, you know, I gotta always throw in a few things like you know, Her Majesty. Nice to have three takes of Her Majesty. I don't know if I needed them, but it was nice to have those, those uh, three. Yeah. Uh, the, the long The long one, everything that you said, Kit, re- you know, really is how I feel about that. Re- very interesting for all the reasons you pointed out. But I, I think Paul made a good call, and I believe it was Paul who said, you know, take out Her Majesty. Yeah. But sure. could that be because we're so accustomed to not hearing it in there? I just think it's, it really, like, just stopped it, you know. Uh, but we're so used to it the other way. So, uh, I think it was a good do you, call. Do you know uh, why originally
0: it was placed there?
2: Uh, because somebody saved it. it was Jeff, Ember. who saved it at the end? Somebody saved no, it, at no, no. End it at the end. No, no, I'm talking about
0: why it was middle... originally part of no. that medley. What was that? You know, because Alan Rosen talked about this on Things We Said Today. In um, in Mean Mr. Mustard, you hear right. the line, takes him out to look at the queen. Mm. So, yeah. they wanted to follow that with oh, another okay. song. Oh, okay, right. You know, or oh, you know, dealing with cool. royalty or the queen. <laughs> right. So yeah. but you know and oh. why would they stick something that short? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> it's not like it's a full song. But but yeah. it's it it's yeah, but bed. I agree,
3: Joe. It just grind it it just it took the whole just stopped the whole thing in its tracks and you know. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, we're
2: so used to it the other way too. I mean, I don't know what anybody would think if they'd never heard this medley somehow before, some a new young person or something. Um but and then uh, I might just mention this for posterity, because people have been saying this. Well, I wonder why we didn't get the Here Comes the Sun lead solo version. Mm. That Thank you. Heard, you. Heard around. Yeah. Thank you. you know? yeah. I mean, I'm happy with what we have. You know, look at the positive. I get that. But, you know, to try to balance it a little bit, yeah, I just thought I would ask that. I'm I'm happy, but I was just I, I really thought that was going to be on there. I was I was surprised.
1: Well, if, if you don't mind me saying real quick, Joe, one of my – um, gripes about this was is that now that vinyl sales are starting to, you know, outsell CDs and whatnot, I noticed that these sets are, or the, the outtakes, the the, the bonus discs, um, they're starting to make them where they're, you know, just enough time to so they can fit on vinyl as well. So, you know, these two discs are only in the 40-minute range. when. You know, so they've got plenty more space to fit more stuff on these CDs, but I feel like this might become a trend where they're going to, you know, have these second and third discs and they're going to have them, you know, in time for, so they can fit them on vinyl as well. So they can make it more affordable, you know, for the vinyl community as well. So I think that's why we're probably where we are with the bonus material.
2: Mm. It's possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All
2: right. Well, uh, any last thoughts on Oh, I agree
0: with what you were talking about with Billy Preston. I wish I wish the Beatles gave Billy Preston more of a chance to shine yes. on Beatle Records and certainly on I Want You She's So Heavy, where he's doing these solos.
3: Right.
0: You know, and what he played on songs like Get Back and, and Don't Let Me Down were perfect. You know, but for a song like I Want You She's She's So Heavy, that lends itself to doing solos and to jamming is perfect for that. So I I do kind of wish that he was mixed up hotter. on the release version Mm -hmm. so uh yeah but at least they gave you an alternate take of every single song and even though this is something that i bring up all the time i think it's something we kind of take for granted i really love the whole idea that on these outtakes everything is presented chronologically Mm. as the beatles recorded it it gives you a different understanding you know who would who would think that they would start with i want you she's so heavy of all the songs you know <laughs> it's kind of mm, like saying, "Gee, yeah. Revolver." We'll start with tomorrow. Never knows, you know. It's <laughs> you wouldn't think that, but when was you it, and that was from, the
2: first track recorded for Revolver, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, I'm, the first yeah. one they worked on. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, just to hear it in the order that the Beatles recorded it in gives mm. you a whole different feel, you know, to Good the on. whole thing. Yeah, cool.
2: A lot of good yeah. comments here, by the way. We didn't co- we didn't bring up many of them, but I, I saw the, they were being highlighted, and uh, I enjoyed a lot of the comments. Here. Yeah, yeah. We'll go
3: back, uh, and we always do. We go back after the show and look at the comments and respond to them. We can't always get to them all on the air. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but uh, but we really appreciate. Yeah, there's some great uh, great comments here. You're right.
2: Yeah, I tell uh, you, uh, as we wrap up a little bit, Ken, I kind of wanted to just to just say, you know, when you had said it, the news part. Uh, that uh, it looks like we're going to get number three position on Billboard in the States Mm -hmm. for uh, this release. I was a little surprised on that. I I I thought this one would be number one, because you're you're always seeing Abbey Road come back into the chart. It seems like this album, more than any other for some reason, always seems to make the charts again and pop in. I thought this Mm -hmm. one is going to make number one. I'm glad I didn't bet on it. I mean, at least in the U.S. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have lost my shirt. <laughs> but uh, the U.K. it's number one. U.K. U.K. So it is a number one album.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's still respectable. No, yeah. no matter how oh, you look three. at it, it's a fifty-year-old album. Absolutely. Um, I think it benefited by having, you know, less discs than the white album. The more expensive it is, right. it's not as likely to chart as high. And I think the white album, I think it went as high as six. I'm not sure when it was uh, reissued. And I think Sgt. Pepper went to number three. Yeah. But no matter how you skin the cat, this is something to be proud of that they that they debuted at oh, number sure. three here in the States. That- um, you know, tells you the power of the music. And when yep, you consider really. the fact that, you know, radio, whether you think radio is as much an influence as it used to be, they're not as likely to play all these outtakes, hmm? <laughs> you know, <laughs> on commercial radio. You got to oh, rely man. on... Beatles. Oh, that's like where Ryan. the
1: multiple. Yeah, that's where the multiple versions of Breakfast with the Beatles all over the uh, country uh, takes place, where they'll play, you know, all of these different, you know, outtakes and demos. Mm-hmm. So cause, you know, because there's a few out there, aren't there? Different uh, Breakfast with the Beatles on with the same morning. title. Yeah, yeah, sure. exactly.
0: Yeah. But there's only one Every Little Thing.
1: Oh,
2: that's right wow. <laughs> don't you forget it yeah. we well on that note uh, one every little <laughs> thing why don't we, why why don't uh, we all go around and uh talk about our uh, what we're doing lately and where you could find us and so on and let's start with kit
3: well uh as always you can find me on facebook and uh you can find out what i'm uh, up to i'm now that i'm uh, back from the conference i will be getting back to my columns so i will have um deep uh, deep beetles and deep soul will be coming up very soon i'm also going to be uh appearing on a couple of other uh podcasts in the uh, near future tomorrow never knows as uh, is one of them and um and i'm going to be on one with an i don't know if he's still here, but Scott Erickson. We're going to be on one together. Yeah, so right, cool. yeah, That'll be Hi, a blast. We'll yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Scott. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, so that's all coming up. So just as always, go to my website, uh, kidotool.com. You can find me on Facebook and uh, and on Twitter and and uh, keep up with uh, all that I'm up to.
1: Okay. And, Tom? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, Well, a lot of exciting things are happening with uh, two legs. Uh, Last night, we recorded our first video version. So two legs are now going to be a video, uh, video cast, if you will, as well as the podcast. So we uh, we recorded an episode with our musical contributor Dylan Seavey, which we premiered our new uh, intro where he does a really kick ass version of Karina Core, heavy breathing yes. and all, yes. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we introduced that as our new, um, or we're going to introduce that as our new uh, intro theme song, and uh, uh-huh. we had Imani talked about, you know, uh, writing and producing these songs, uh, because you can't if you're on YouTube, you can't necessarily have these songs exactly, or you'll probably, you know, Get get run into some copyright, you it's know, not a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So he put his twist on it and we we're really appreciative and it was it turned out really good and we're happy about that. So yeah, Andy Nichols and I we're really moving forward. Uh like I said, we're it's it's a, it's a video cast now too. We got our uh, we're gonna interview uh, author Adrian Allen uh this Sunday. So hopefully that'll be out next week and that'll be video as well. So you can uh, email us at two legs um, podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, two legs uh, um, a Paul McCartney uh, podcast on Facebook, and then we're on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on iTunes now, and then we're on, now we're also on YouTube. So if you want to go head over to Two Legs uh, Paul McCartney podcast on YouTube and subscribe to our channel, I'd really appreciate it. And back to you, Joe. Okay, and
0: how about you, Ken? Um, before I give contact information, I just want to respond to something, Mike Hubert. Just wrote to us. Hopefully, the kids will get into the Beatles. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a report Ah, that uh, Spotify had uh, 1.7 billion streams of Beatles songs this year. And about 30% of those was from a younger demographic. So that's really impressive. And Mike also yes. says, "Hey Ken, just had to say I never realized until recently you've written quite a few books about the Beatles. That's not me. That's, <laughs> that's Ken Womack, who is our normal co-host who hasn't been with us for a few shows now, but uh, he writes tremendous books. Ken Womack is the man. Okay, mm. <laughs> Ken Mike
3: man on radio.
0: Oh, okay, thank you." <laughs> I just want to say one thing. Um, (laughs) Since we made this big announcement about iHeartRadio, I have a trivia question on my website, which is directly related to the word heart (laughs) and (laughs) Ah. solo Beatles. And so to celebrate our debut on iHeartRadio. That's what our trivia question is this week. You can win one of nine prizes, books, CDs, or DVDs that are listed, including kids' book songs you were singing. That's always up there on my Beatles trivia page. Um, My syndicated Beatles show, Every Little Thing, you can find a page on my website that lists all the radio stations that run them. There's almost 40, and when they stream the show, uh, with links to different uh, radio stations and their websites, and my other podcast show, Things We Said Today. We should be doing a session on Thursday this week. It's going to be kind of late and hopefully will be posted on Friday. Okay, cool. Kay. Any hint? Uh, Any no. hint? We're supposed to be talking about our <laughs> favorite see. album covers, Beatles and Solo ah, Beatles. And cool. coincidentally, we just did an interview with, with uh, John Kosh who is someone who designed the Abbey Road album cover and the back cover and has had a whole history in the music business of designing album covers, like Hotel California, for example. Um, So he was there in the midst of all this. He did a lot of work for a lot of John's solo stuff. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that will have that interview with John Kosh in the next Things We Said Today, which will be on Podbean and... The same places we're on, (laughs) on YouTube and iTunes. Awesome. All right.
2: And uh, for me, you can always catch me on YouTube. You can subscribe to Meet Mr. Mayo. And uh, I do all kinds of Beatles related stuff, solo Beatles related, other kinds of artists. I do all kinds of finds of uh, Beatles memorabilia, Beatles records, rarities, uh, record store visits. Going on digging hunts, all kinds of music related stuff. So I hope to see you there. But well, thanks a lot for that. Mm. And it looks Ooh. like we pulled it off, folks. We got it we got it all done in one show. <laughs> and so, I wanna uh, thank
3: Mr uh, mean Mr. Mayo. This is his first time moderating and he did an awesome job.
0: Let's hear it
2: for oh, Joe.
3: Wow. Let's hear it for it Joe. It was all
2: right. It was, all all was a all great
3: right. job. <laughs>
2: We'll and, we'll bring those, it and whose turn oh. is it next? Uh, Not no, my turn next, right? Somebody else is going to do it. Right oh
3: man! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
2: it, it was it was a fun experience. It was a yep, fun experience. You did
3: a great job! And uh, somebody oh.
2: else take us out. I don't know how to take oh. us out. You take us out.
3: Well, you can, uh, and also just a quick reminder: you can find us, of oh, course, yeah. on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, uh, and if you have any ideas for uh, future shows, feedback. We wanna hear it. Um, and it's uh, talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at talkmoretalk1, the number one. And, uh, and also we, are, we are, have an account on Instagram. We're you know, sort of figuring out how, how to you know, work with it. So that'll be coming up soon, but you can definitely find us and remember to spread the word about iHeartRadio. Yeah, and, right. and Kit,
2: you did a great job, Froggy. Don't
1: <laughs>
2: you know, I would, I would not. I wouldn't even. I don't even hear a frog in your face. you. Because i, <laughs> I Sound great. Right uh oh. <laughs> I'm gonna. Okay. Peace, so and up, yep, Peace and love, everybody.
1: Yep. Take care. love.
0: What?